back again. You know, I, every single time you tell me we're getting ready to, to record, my brain immediately like wants to go, and now we're back from outer space. Don't turn around now with that sad look upon your face. I'm sorry. I don't know why, you know. <laughs> I'm immediately taken back to the days of disco. It's the... Uh, I'm sure it's we can blame it on the the internet algorithms. Yes, yeah, that's what it it's is. Just, it implanted it in, in, in there. <laughs> that's right. In the chip that the government has put in my head <laughs> to make me think the way they want me to think. Uh, this is conspiracies with Larry and Jared. Yeah, bring, we, your tin, <laughs> bring your own tin. Foil. That's right. <laughs> we used all of ours up. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, that is the kind of. <laughs> morning you're getting today that's right but we are moving along to chapter four Mm -hmm. and so i'm gonna what's the word well i guess i'm gonna skip the normal protocol and i'm just gonna ask you to open us up in prayer yeah and then we're just gonna dive right into it just go go for it uh father and this morning um as we come and and open your word and ready our hearts there's a lot going on in the world around us. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty politically. There's a lot of just uncertainty in the world. Uh, and Lord, there's a lot of, of craziness going on around us. There's a lot of upheaval in the church. There's a lot of... Um, it just seems chaos and disunity and... Uh, things are out of order all around us. And yet here we are this morning opening a book inside of your word that cries out, unify. Unify under your banner. Follow your prescription for living in obedience to you as an individual, living in obedience to you as a member of a family, and living in obedience to you as a member of a local body. And Father, this morning, I just, I want to pray, um, I want to pray two specific verses out of this chapter this morning as we begin. So Father, uh, we want to speak <clears throat> this morning truth and love, that we will grow up in all things in Christ, who is our head, from whom our whole body this whole body who is the body of Christ is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And Lord God, would that be the focus and the cry of our heart today as we begin this time together. And all this we ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So... Last time we talked, we were talking about just rereading and reading and reading through mm-hmm. before we even crack open the commentaries. So, I want to know, Larry. Yes. What's popping? Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you what's popping for me, and probably because it's a conversation that I had with a brother of mine. Uh, about this passage, um, I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Dr. Steve and Megan Scheibner, who have an organization called CharacterHealth.com. If you're looking for great resources for your family, for encouraging seniors, 
you know, in their walk and encouraging the family behind them. I got a really cool book. If you're a grandma and grandpa, Steve and Megan, characterhealth.com, have an awesome book where you can um, write down your salvation story mm. and write down important things that you want your family to know, you want your grandchildren to know, and then you can gift that to them. So if something happens to you, they have in your handwriting a legacy manual. That's cool. And I think it's it's really exciting. Steve and I were talking about this because I was telling him kind of my views. You know my views on chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 because it kind of took a small group through that. Steve makes the argument you got to back up and start actually here in chapter 4. And for him, um, what I just prayed is what he really feels like is the kind of the the linchpin the the center point of the whole book of ephesians Mm. but speaking the truth in love this is verse 15 chapter 4 but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together now i'm diving into verse 16 by what every joint supplies according to the effective work by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So <clears throat> if you start there, the idea of speaking the truth in love, then later on, uh, as we get toward the end of the chapter, you're going to kind of get get a warning and an action based off of that warning. Yeah. So pretty much it's the idea of, okay, here is how we are to relate to one another. Here's what it looks like if you do it in the flesh. Mm -hmm. And um, Steve really used this chapter to to open my eyes to the differences between an apology and actually seeking forgiveness. Ooh, interesting. Um, and, And encouraging me in my walk that as I get close to someone or have you know communications with a person and and I make a misstep that's going to cause me to lean into something that I've done um that an apology is just the beginning of the conversation opening a door really to get you to a place where what you're doing is you're seeking forgiveness and you're seeking restoration. I mean, that's the whole purpose of forgiveness, right? I mean, you know, why do we want God to forgive us our sins? Because he needs to, we need him to restore us back into or pull us into this family. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's what, to me, is going on here. You know, we, we've talked about the first three chapters being their, that first point, their kind of entity, and now we're moving into the second You know, we closed out with that beautiful benediction from Paul last time. And we're opening into verses 4, 5, or chapters 4, 5, and 6 now. And and really, for me, this is is the springboard of the rest of the chapter. You get get the context of chapter 4 correct. It shapes what you're doing in chapters 5 and chapter 6. Yeah. I've never met Steve, but... I agree with him and the this is this is like the one area that I'll get technical in this chapter or it really yeah in this chapter if you I'm going to go back to 
we've sprinkled in this word and this part of the conversation a couple times, but the chiastic structure. Mm-hmm. And if you were to outline this yourself or Google somebody else's outline, it will always come to the center in verses 1 through 17 of mm-hmm. chapter 4. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Meaning the A, Bs, and Cs leading up to the center of the chiasm are building towards this section. Right. And then everything from this section is a, uh, what's the best word? An outline leading away from it. Yes. Right. And so structurally, Paul also put this as the linchpin Mm -hmm. or the cornerstone of this letter mm-hmm. which is why it makes sense to right. us that this is the it's the hinge point right this is where yep. you know the, the center of the bullseye yep. is so we're building up to this mystery we reveal the mystery in chapter three and then so what does that mean and then boom he gives you these 16 verses where he paul is saying here's what it means that the church is unified mm-hmm. it's pretty cool mm-hmm um <clears throat> today we're going to begin a journey of a discussion that I think we're going to talk about we're going to talk a lot about who we once were versus who we are now. Yeah. And and the and the idea of putting off what I once was and taking up who I am to be now. Yeah. And and that's going to drive. It's going to drive the way we look at our relationships. So here's here's an encouragement as you're listening to us talk. If the Holy Spirit pricks your heart and makes you go, oh man, I hadn't thought about that. I want I, you know, as you're listening to us, as you're joining the conversation, what do you got going on? Do you have a son or daughter, grandchild? that you have just botched it up with, um, listen, just just really, just get into chapter four, read it over and over and over again, see what the Holy Spirit has to say. Do you have a coworker, a boss, um, a, a member of your church? If you're not a member of a church, um, you know, an organization that you're a part of where you have, you've just botched it up with somebody. Um, or they've botched it up with you. Um, really, really listen close because what it's going to do is it's going to, I mean, for me anyway, it's going to send off bells and whistles. There's times that chapter four applies to me and Jennifer, just in our marriage, the way I've handled things. There's, there's times that it, it applies to me and the way I've dealt with my with my kids. Um, and there's further warnings that Paul's going to give about that later on, down in chapter six. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, you got a best friend of best friends and you guys haven't spoken in, in 10 years all because, you know, y- you said his wife looked ugly and you were joking and they took you seriously and, and you really boogered up. You know, put your pride down. Read chapter four. Restore the relationship. So let's think about it. And and Steve Schabner, this one's for you, buddy. Um <laughs> Think about it in this way, and I'm, I'm taking this directly from Steve. Okay. Apologize. That, that's the beginning of the conversation. 
then move to, will you please forgive me? Mm. And then, and stop and work through that. And once you have worked through that forgiveness, an apology can be taken back, right? When you seek forgiveness, there is a finality to forgiveness. There is a completion, a done, this is over with, I'm letting go, you're letting go, we're walking on. So what has to happen then after the forgiveness is done? Step number three is restoration. And then the fourth step is renewing the relationship that was destroyed because of whatever the grievance was. We put those four things into practice. Um, I am not speaking about this in a vacuum. This yeah. is this is real and pertinent in my life. Something that, that has been an apparent fault for me uh, and something that is is beginning to take root is the way that I live life. Mm. And and I, I am in a very short amount of time seeing amazing dividends yeah. off of it. Yeah. Because because bitterness of any given situation no longer takes root. Because what happens is excitement of who God is and what he has done for me takes the place of bitterness and wrath and envy and all of the things that pull me away. Yeah. You know, we haven't, I mean, you got to go a little bit further into chapter four, but in order to be able to come to that place, Mm -hmm. you've got to be willing to kill off the old self. Oh, absolutely. And I will tell you, I think, This is confession time for me. When I watch you, I think it is a little bit, I'm not saying this to discourage other people, but I think it's a little easier for you to recognize that and to do it than it is for me. The idea of forgiveness and apologies for me is so alien. (laughs) (laughs) When I know I have to do it, it makes me feel almost ill sometimes Mm. Mm. and I know that's not good I know it's a problem and it's something that I have to really work on of getting rid of that part of my old self because it's not Christ-like but it is I I just you know for all the listeners it is a struggle for me to get over that hump I'm I'm glad I'm glad you think it looks easy (laughs) in my life because it's not um I think what you're seeing, Jared, is evidence of what the Holy Spirit is doing because Larry on his own can't do this. Um, I, don't, I, yeah. I had to get, you know, just just being honest, listeners, I, I had to get to a place of I was on a journey of panic attacks. I was a step away from um, depression. I've never dealt with, with full-on depression before. Um, but someone wisely spoke into my life and was like, you are one step away from waking up, laying down on the couch in a ball and not being able to move and not knowing why. And I'd never had it put to me in that way before. And, and it was a lot of things, and it's a lot of things that Paul talks about here. I, I just, you know, just being upfront and honest, folks, ministry is probably the most difficult 
to put it in humanistic terms, profession that anybody will ever step into. Um, that is not from me. That is from someone who served high level in the military and who pastored <laughs> and, and said beyond a shadow of a doubt that of the jobs they had, being a pastor, any kind of pastor, but being a pastor is the most difficult, the most draining, the most emotionally depleting thing they have ever done in life. And yet, you know, as we have learned with, with the greatest risks come the greatest rewards. Yeah. Yep. And one of the things that I do not think that we are doing well as a church is taking care of our pastors. Now, let me speak into that for one minute. Okay, minutes up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think a lot of churches equate monetary provision with caring for a pastor. And I would say that that is a huge chunk because if you are monetarily taking care of your pastor, that that's a burden that's off of them. Sure. They're able to provide for their family. They're doing well. And listen, and when I say pastor, I am not talking about your senior pastor. The full complement of the staff. The full complement of the staff. Your youth pastor has a family to provide for. Your music pastor has a family to provide for. Your education pastor, your administrative pastor, I mean, whatever title they are carrying, they have a family to prepare for, and you want them to be focused on the task at hand. Mm. Their job is to equip you, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. Their job is not to do your job. Right. You're the Great Commission handle. They're equipping you to do the Great Commission handle. So there's my little speech well, on that. And I would say that, you know, having not worked professionally in ministry, excuse me, the deepest I dove into it was some internships over summers and working in, and so I've been around it in that capacity, but that's been right. years ago. Um, but you can't expect anybody. It doesn't matter what, what you do, whether it's ministry. When I worked in manufacturing, I felt the same type of thing where, when you're always on call, mm-hmm. when you're always on, um, and then on top of always being on, which I want our pastors to kind of always be on because you just never know when something's going to happen, right? That's right. Um, but then when you pile on top of that so much stuff mm-hmm. that they can never come up for a breath of air. Yeah. Like... I'm I'm telling this to myself. I owe it to the people mm-hmm. that are s- serving in the church that I belong to to make sure they get some time and space. And, and that's the second the second part of this equation. It, it is it's more than just monetary. It is the responsibility of the church body to monitor the mental strain on their pastoral staff. Your pastoral staff should not have to advocate for themselves. A lot of churches are actually not set. I mean, they're set up to maybe protect the pastor, but they're not set up to protect the rest of the staff. And 
you you need built into your systems regular diets of required vacations, appropriate sabbaticals, yeah. <clears throat> appropriate times where they can reconnect with their families. You know, it's so funny. You can see you can see and watch staff and and people go, well, I mean, they have a big family and well, they, they kind of went home in the middle of the day. I don't get to go home in the middle of the day and see their family. They went home in the middle of the day to see their family because that's probably the only five minutes they're going to get with their family all day. Yeah. They left before their, their baby kids got out of bed, and they got back home after their baby kids were put in bed, and they didn't yeah. get any time with them. And you saw it on a Wednesday when they're going to be at work until 9 o'clock that night? Yep. Or 10. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know. And the, I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound spiteful or mean, but I'm, tr- I really, I'm really not – and w- when you saw that happen, you were dropping your family off and going on a dinner date. Right. And they were stuck there at the church with your kids. Yeah. You know. And, and <clears throat> at the end of the day, nobody gets more time with your children than you do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, nobody gets less time with their children than pastoral well, staff do. And, and so here here's the here's the other part. So we're gonna go we're gonna be into family here very, very soon. I yes. mean, we're already starting to dig into family in chapter three and four. Because right? it makes sense. Because yeah. who who are we grafted into? We're, mm-hmm. we're we're now heirs. We're now part of this family. All families derive their name from who? From God. Right. So this idea I, I wanna steer us in this way a little bit, right? Because I don't want people that are going to listen to this to go, there's some bitterness towards working in the church. There's not. Oh, no, not at all. W- what we're saying is it is such a high calling that I am, a, as a church member, am calling for church members to say, be aware of how these men are serving and what is going on because you can pray and help for them. What What we're trying to do is something that has become— maybe the cry of my heart, and that is to empower lay leaders mm. to understand something that they don't work in. Yeah. And and to and to say, you know, you know, for a long time, you know, I don't have to tell my kids I love them. I don't have to tell my wife I love them. I told her today I married her. She should I'll tell her if it changes, you know. was kinda how we lived our world and then we all we came along and realized that no holding our kids telling our kids we love them we're proud of them all of those things are massively important in in the rearing i am now on a mission to wake churches up to something that nobody wants to talk about and that is why is it that your pastor can only stay at your church two three four years with you and then has to change right What is going on that they can't plant themselves in a community for 25, 30, or a full career? It is because we use them, blow our nose in them like a Kleenex, and throw them away. And it's time to wake up to our church body. And it's the same thing for volunteers. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm not just speaking specifically about pastoral staff. We have to change the mentality of the way we see our brothers and sisters in Christ. So I think... It changes in this chapter, well, really in this book, Mm -hmm. but here's my conviction on this in the last few weeks. I mean, I think it's been there, but I haven't been able to articulate it. Reading Ephesians has helped me articulate this conviction. Mm. We have got 
to change our mentality that the job or the ministry or the area of service or the calling from God is more is the number one calling. Mm. If you're a mom or a dad, your calling is to your family mm. before it is to the music, the youth, the senior adults, the college, the funeral ministry, the teaching in the pulpit. If you're a, a, a volunteer before the kids ministry program you run, before the youth summer camp that you help plan, before the missions trip that you're the, the planner for at your church, whatever that thing is, it's vastly important. But what good are you doing if you're putting all of your time and effort into that and your kids don't see you? Mm. Jared's preaching this morning, folks. <clears throat> you're right. If we had a church, if we, I'm just thinking of one in one building, if we had a local group of people that put 50% of their effort into teaching their family, it would be amazing. It would, and then imagine what would happen when you showed up on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. How effective would that group of people be? Because they're all kind of clicking, right? They're unified. Yeah. They're unified. You, you, <laughs> yeah, and, I, I know and you'd be less busy. I know. I, right? Yeah, I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought. Um, but you, you sound like my heartbeat. Maybe we've hung around enough. You've picked up on, on some of my idiosyncrasies. One of the things, whenever I get a chance to speak on worship... One of the things that I try to drive home is this principle, and that is our corporate worship is directly linked to the amount or lack of Mm. personal and family worship. So when we dove into Ephesians, we said that we're going to see Paul address corporately, as a family, and then ourselves individually, and that all three were going to affect the other two. Worship is the exact same way. If the worship in your church stinks, don't start with the music leader. You get on your knees in your prayer closet on your own first. Then you gather your family daily. And you begin to worship, and you lead them in worship, and you hone the kind of worship that you want. You pray the way you want to teach your family to pray. You read Scripture the way you want to teach your family to read Scripture. You sing songs the way you want your family to sing songs. You go, Larry, nobody in our family can play the radio, okay? Make a, make a noise. <laughs> I'll, I'll even drop joyful. Make a noise. You know, you know how to sing a hymn. You know how to sing a song. Lead your family. It's going to be so uncomfortable at first. Lead your family in those principles and then see the way it affects the corporate worship of the church. And I guarantee you this, if you're hitting on all the cylinders at home, it is dramatically affecting the way worship takes place in church. Yeah. And I'm not saying, so conviction for me and a feeling of, I, 
like we gotta we gotta fix our priorities a little bit. But don't hear me saying that I'm very good at <laughs> doing this. You know, <clears throat> there will be a week where I'm like, all right, l- you know, everybody, we're at dinner. Yep, we're eating together. We are good at that. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna eat dinner together. We're gonna pray for a meal. You know, Lillian, do you want to pray or do you want me to pray? Do just mix and match it a little bit. Yep. And then there will be weeks where it's like, hey, we're gonna read. We're gonna read our. Um, little devotion right now, Lillian, and we're going to read a couple passages and maybe we'll listen to a song afterwards, you know? Um, and then there will the next week it'll just, Hey, it's busy and it's just, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're trying to get better at it here. Um, and in my house, Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I was, here's the area that I'm in this, that I am just really struggling at. I'm not very good at prayer. I'm better at it on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, I, in the mornings I come down, I, my office is set up to where like I've got my desk, but before I even move to the desk, I kind of sit in the chairs behind it, do my Bible reading, pray. <clears throat> so I'm pretty diligent about doing, starting my morning off that way. Mm-hmm. And I always start the day going, you know, I really want to pray. I want to at least be able to pray again around lunchtime and some other time during the day and just kind of have that. And by lunchtime, I, whatever busyness is taking effect, it's just gone. And then me and the wife go to bed and we just go to bed. Yep. And last night she goes, we just don't pray together. Mm. I'm like, oh, now you're throwing arrows at me. <laughs> and I go, yeah, you're right. And then my own stupid pride, and I, uh, so I'm confessing to you, but I owe her an apology and need to ask for forgiveness after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is I, I my, uh, my initial thought is, well, how come we don't? And then it's like, well, surely it's not me. Surely it's something that she's done. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's my, that, like I told you, forgiveness is so alien to me that I would, I'm like, got to find a way that it's not my fault <laughs> so so here's so so to my wife <laughs> i'm gonna come in this in our room after after this podcast recording <clears throat> and i'm i'm asking for forgiveness yeah absolutely and uh if you're in our church and you're hearing this you can uh you can punch me and ask me about it later and make sure that i did i need i need the accountability <laughs> So I had I had to ask your wife for forgiveness. We were we were hanging out, and and she made a comment trying to take a jab at Jared. I thought it was hilarious. I made a comment back, and guys, I mean, I just bombed. I utterly bombed. And she just looked at me like I had three heads. Rightly so. I mean, it was a stupid statement. Yeah, well, it was it was hilarious. The funny the funniest part about that whole thing was that she also found it very very funny. Praise the Lord. You know, <laughs> Katie knows Larry's faults. She does. She's not. You know, but see, okay, look here. You're getting a good picture this morning. All right. Let let me let me give a word of encouragement to the both of us, but yeah. but to everybody listening. Guys, gals, this is the sanctification process. And that is the fact that you're not always going to get it right. So don't walk around in a depressed state going, oh, I didn't get it right. Okay. Let's just take prayer for instance. All right. I am good at what I would say is the pharisaical form of prayer. 
Well, you've you've been a, you've been, you've worked in a church for twenty something years. Yeah. So you put me up in front of literally God and everybody. I can pray. I, I can I can stand on a platform in front of two thousand people and feel like it's just me and him standing there together because that's the only way I know how to do it. I am horrible at just me and him by ourselves. Mm. Where does Larry get that done the most? On the tractor. Yeah. And because I can shout out loud, and he and I can have <laughs> very loud conversation. Uh, my son is a, a sweet boy <clears throat> wanting to mow, so that takes some of my prayer time <laughs> away from me. But the the point is, uh, we have uh, there's a saint in our church who is not long for this world, um, military guy, and he told me the other day, he goes, I just, with his labored breath, he goes, Larry, I just love to hear you pray. I just don't pray good. And he walked me through how he prays on a daily basis. And, and I just told him, I said, brother, you, you just put me to shame because you are consistently praying the same things over and over again. He goes, well, I read a, he said, I read a devotional the other day saying that we shouldn't ask for the same things over and over again, that God heard it the first time and he'll deal with it. And I went, no, 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 no. I mean, I under, I understand if the devotional is saying it in a way of God, you just know, I want a brand new, uh, <laughs> F-150 or F-250, yeah. you know, with the, with the, with, with the King Ranch package on it, <laughs> platinum level, you know, okay. Yeah, put yeah. put that away. Yeah. But when you are praying, dear God, save this person. Mm-hmm. Dear God, save our president, save our vice president, save Congress, save, you know, would, would you reign supreme in this nation again? He is praying this on a daily basis. He, he is lifting up. He has written out every single representative that affects him politically, every single staff member of our church, almost every single Sunday school teacher, he has a list, family members that he is concerned about, and he is faithfully praying. It's powerful. It's huge. Yeah. I, I shared with you a story about my mamaw. Yeah. You know, and and which I hope to share with you all one day more stories about the things that she has done. It It's not that one is better than the other. It's the fact that we are all on this sanctification process together. So don't be discouraged by what a brother or sister does that you don't do. Yeah. Take the lesson. Yeah. Take the lesson and move on with it. Well, and, and just thinking about prayer, and boy, I tell you what, we have— you want to talk about <laughs> glorified rabbit trails. <laughs> that is what we're on today, but that's okay because you know what? I love the question, and it, it, it's, yeah. it's a slang question, but what's popping? Because what? yeah, this and that's why I love this podcast. I lo- I'm not trying to – neither of us are ever going to make money off of this thing. That's not the point. We just want to ha- – like we want to have fun hanging out together and we get to talk about this stuff and like imagine i just wish that i could go back to when i was 20 years old even earlier than that yeah when i'm in college yeah. with my friends in the bible department at john brown university if i would have had this type of a platform <clears throat> where like <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> the mo- the morning crud has attacked jared the coffee didn't cut it this if, morning if i could have gone back to school and like once a month been able to go into a room and say 
fellas, I've been reading. This is what's on, this is what's hit me. Mm-hmm. Where would I be today? Holy cow! Yeah. You know it is talking about the Bible, even if you're not getting it quite right. Talking about the Bible is so life impacting. Katie and I, when we got married, neither one of us were probably in the best place spiritually. We knew church was important. We were going to church. That was about it. We had kind of years in the army and busyness. We were in and out of different places, and there wasn't really a church home. We were trying to find one. Got married. We immediately moved looking for some churches, get into a church. Um, and we're going on Sundays when we're together because we were in different states. <clears throat> so, and that's kind of was us until mm-hmm. we moved to North Carolina, like got out of the army and we, we get in, we fi- then COVID hits, no yeah. church is meeting. We're trying to find a church on YouTube. We finally get settled in to our church and both of us are like, man, what have we, look at what we've been missing. Like mm-hmm. we just, you could just taste it. You know what I mean? Like you just get in, you're like, I've been missing it. And then the conviction of, I might not have been missing it as much if I had been doing my own personal time. Right. You know, and, and I'm watching my wife, like, dude, she devours books, devours them. And I mean, there's any time morning, Lunchtime, evening time. If we're just kind of in some downtime, I haven't seen her watch TV in months. Wow, she's just re- she's re- she's got her Bible open. She's a highlighter. I'm not a highlighter. Like you're never gonna see highlight. I don't know why I just never get, did it. But she's marking, 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 and then she'll set it down, and then she's devouring a book. It's like she's making up for lost time. Mm. But the the conversations we get to have, yeah, she's like Jared. Have you, what about listen to this? You know, and she gets so excited. Listen to this. And I'll read some of them. Like, Katie, you really need to read this book. You know, the conversations that we have are like we're growing together because we're just excited about talking about these things. And so we're in chapter four today of Ephesians, but we're kind of going all over the place. But guess what? It's because we started in the scripture. Yeah. And it's like, hey, what's been hitting? What's popping up to you? That's, what's, that's right. And so I love that. But can I... I know I've just kind of hijacked it a little bit, but you're good, man. Can I tell you a struggle I've had with this, with this chapter? Yeah. Lay it on me. The spiritual gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't have a struggle with the spiritual gifts, how they're work, how they're used. Yeah. Or, or how the modern church, how some churches have interpreted them, right? So let's let's do this. Let's let's get ourselves there because it's it's pretty early on in this. Yeah. In this, so let's let's kind of get let's kind of set the stage to have that conversation. So we'll we'll be like a good comedian. We're going to do the setup. All right. So here's the setup. Paul closes chapter three with this beautiful benediction. But how does he open it? He opens it. Me, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Guess what? He does the same thing here. He's starting a new point, a new thing. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Okay, why does he keep going back to that? Because he has just revealed to them the mystery is the church. The church is made up of Jew and Gentile. 
Yeah. There's the mystery. It's the inclusion of, of everyone coming together who knows Christ as Savior to make this body called the church. And so he's reminding them, I am where I am on your behalf, uh, not because I am saving you, but because I am opening your eyes to this world that you now have the keys to or yeah. you can tap into. So he's encouraging them. He's like, okay, so when you come together, whether you are Jew or Gentile, when you come together, what do you do? Number one, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That is important because of this. Throughout the rest of chapter four, all of chapter five, and a good portion of chapter six, we are going to talk about walking in Christ. The idea of putting off the old man, putting on the new man, and how we walk. This is going to affect how we walk with the Lord, how we walk with our families, and how we walk corporately with the yeah. church. All right, so, are you, so folks, are you getting the picture here? This is a big deal. When he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, listen. All right, so as we are walking, as we are living this out, what are we going to do? We're going to do it with lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Okay, this is taking on a burden. This is hanging out with someone who annoys the snot out of you, but they are your brother or sister in Christ, and you need to get over it, right? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I believe it was Jesus that said, blessed are the peacemakers, right? Right? There is, and then here it is, okay? If we're going to be unified, how are we unified? Okay, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. I don't care whether you are a homosexual struggling with becoming a Christian. I don't care if you are black struggling with becoming a Christian. If you're white, if you're Indonesian, if you're Honduran, if you're whatever. Insert here. I don't care if you're LGBTQ, RSTLNE plus, minus division. I don't care who you are. If you are a sinner who is not saved by grace, if you are a sinner who is saved by grace, if you are coming to the Lord, listen to this. Mm -hmm. There is one body. There is one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. What does that mean? If I am a believer in Jesus Christ, my identity is no longer any of those things I just mentioned in, in humanistic terms. My identity is a sinner saved by grace through Jesus Christ. That is my identity. Mm -hmm. If I am not a believer in Jesus Christ and I identify myself however the world says to identify yourself now, I am identi identifying myself through individualistic things that mean nothing in God's economy. Yeah. What he wants to see is a broken heart come to him, and he is going to heal it and make it whole. The only way that we overcome all of the nonsense, it's right here. Yeah. It's all with one God in one path, in one way, and that's Jesus Christ only. You've got to start there. Yep. Now that we start there, now we get into this place that is giving Jared great consternation. And I would agree with him. I mean, I understand where he's coming from because, golly. Okay, so this is Larry's flesh coming out. Um, there's a word that I always want to use right here, um, but I feel like it will offend people, so I won't, I won't say it. There is a great misuse 
of terminology and people throughout the church. Yeah. And how their gifts are used and the purposes. I'm going to say misuse. Yeah. There's an old country way of saying it, which is what my brain's <laughs> thinking, but I'm, I'm going to let that go. But what does he tell us? Every single one of us is given a measure of Christ's gift. Now let's stop right there. Yeah. Okay. Paul didn't say everybody gets everything that Jesus was able to do. Correct. Right? Yeah. We are given a measure. Okay. What does that mean? Jared and I have very similar tendencies. We both love music. But we both practice that at different levels. We both love teaching the word of the Lord. But we both practice that at different levels. Jared and I are very good friends, but there's also great differences in us. Our family makeup is different than his family makeup. But none of that stands in between he and I. We enjoy those differences because those those differences encourage us. Yeah. There's about a, what is there, like a 10-year gap between yep. us? Yep. So there is technically a generational gap between Jared and I. But I don't know that that generational gap has ever smacked you and I in the face. It has, I have with other people your age. Mm. But the o- difference only is... Only in your love for bands like Yes. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you know... <laughs> But I, I can't say anything because then I'll go and I'll spend a whole day listening to The Clash and I'm like, what in the world did I do? <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're going off in La La Land. I mean, you know. But no. See, but, but what's the point? The point is we all get a measure of Christ's gift for the purpose of taking our measure, bringing it together, and it becoming part of the whole. Yeah. So, so let me... <clears throat> Let me color in the lines a little bit for not, I, I don't know if it's consternation or struggle. I don't disagree with these gifts very clearly. I think that these things. Well, you'd be disagreeing with the word of God. Exactly. So let's not go down that exactly. road. <laughs> My disagreement is in some ways with how we've defined a couple of these gifts. And even more specific to the point in today's context and in the conversations that have been in the news, in particular with the Southern Baptist Convention in recent times. Ooh, hot button topic. This, how you look at this, are you egalitarian? Are you complementarian? What level of complementarian are you? Where do women, and then in specifics, if you don't understand those two terms, where do women fall into these titles because I say I, I would say if you go back 80 years many people would 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 probably say that women aren't involved in the many of these giftings mm. right now today we might have gone too far to the other extreme as far as going egalitarian and not having a complementary view at all to say that we're equal but have different functions and roles. And so I've been struggling. I, I don't really struggle with the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would struggle with um, a church that takes that view to 
the teacher in all aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so that's kind of my, my struggle with how men and women are viewed in the church and some of these giftings. And then my other struggle would be in particular with the view of the prophet, because I think today it either goes one of two ways. You either say there are no more prophets, mm-hmm. they're gone. And then my, then my brain goes, well, then why is Paul telling us that people should prophesy in, in first Corinthians? Mm-hmm. Um, or you go the other way and you're sprinkling gold dust from the ceilings and oh, everybody Lord. and everybody's a prophet. Right. right. And right. so th- we can train you to become a prophet though. That's my, that that's my struggle with this passage is it's kind of twofold. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's about the teaching in the church and who can and can't do it. Um, and then this idea of the prophet. All right. So can I tip my Larry hat into this? Let's go. All right. So, um, I can't remember if it was Phillips or somebody else I was reading uh, who was talking about this idea. So verse 11 says, He gave some, he gave, and he himself, so God himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. My first argument is this. He gave some those different gifts. He didn't give all any of those gifts. So there are some that didn't get any of that, mm-hmm. and that's okay. It's, he's not trying to say that everybody has to fit themselves into apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. He set aside some to do those specific roles. What for? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So he is specifically speaking into a specific group of people. He's not speaking about everybody in in the church is going to take up this mantle. These are for specific people. Now, Paul himself, um, I believe, would lean into this. And I believe as we go through Scripture, we we see it take place. Paul is writing in a time period where the church is beginning and growing. When you start an organization, um, how you start an organization is not how you keep an organization running. There is a, a, a shift from how we get it off the ground to then how we maintain and keep running or growing. The very things you use to get it off the ground are designed to get it off the ground. They have an expiration date. I'm going to make that argument with apostles and prophets, and here's why, okay? And, and, and I'm, I'm going to give a caveat in, in prophet land, okay? But the apostles specifically defined had to be men that walked with Jesus yeah. and were called by him. Yeah. So that one is already set up, Okay. Some of those men were allowed to be prophetic, John specifically, who wrote what I don't believe any of us who are bibliophiles, Mm. you know, people of the word, would deny is the final prophecy for the church, for the age, for everything that is to come. 
So I'm going to make the argument that as far as new prophecy is concerned, as far as biblical prophetic, you know, this is a word from the Lord right? that is going to change all of history for the rest of its, of its days, leading to the Christ, leading something that the Christ is going to do. I think he has already laid all of that out. I don't think that ministry exists anymore. But what do I believe about folks who are evangelists, folks who are pastors, folks who are teachers? Here is what I believe about them. I believe that if they are students of the word, and if God chooses to do so, I believe that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they might find themselves at times speaking prophetically. I'll give you an example. Had a, had a pastor, a um, friend of mine, who was recounting a story of his wife's pastor. And this is what he said. This is back in the 70s. They were getting ready to start a new TV show. It was going to be called Three's a Company. And the joke in the, in, the, in the show was this guy needs a place to live. So he is going to act as if he is homosexual so he can live with two girls. And then it, it's got to be okay, right? Because he's homosexual. He doesn't desire to be with, with girls. And so we're going to make jokes about it. We're going to laugh about it. John Ritter was the one who, you know, played that role. Uh, I think Suzanne Summers and then one other lady were, were involved in it. And then I know there's some swap out of roles and stuff through the years. I mean, even Don Knotts, you know, was in the original uh, or was in one, one version of the show in, in all of his little 70s suits that he wore. But the pastor's comment was this. If they can get us to laugh at homosexuality, then they are one step away from getting all of us to accept it. That's a prophetic statement that has come true. Very evident in today's life. Now, that world and culture probably couldn't comprehend what it was going to look like. We have seen it unfold with our eyes today. I'm not saying that's a prophecy that has to be written down. That is something that any one of us should be able to look at and go, well, that makes complete sense. It's not, it's not this great prophetic thing of like it's got to be written. And the prophecy and the prophet foretold that jokes would cause, you know. So the point is this. If we are students of the word, I think we can see the danger that lies ahead and speak into that danger. And if it's not heeded, it becomes prophetic in the yeah. fact that you were talking about this 30 years ago, and here it is. Yeah. So here's my, I'll, <clears throat> here's where I am with prophecy. Because I really did struggle with this for a while in the last week and a half, probably. Because I went into it thinking there are no more prophets. Prophecy as we know it is dead. We have what we have. And then I read this. I'm like, okay. So some of the church is getting this special gift. Does it apply to me today? I'm like some kind of 
start digging around, right? And I ended up in First Corinthians 14, mm-hmm. um, which is not necessarily an easy passage. I will <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Because <laughs> it's dealing with, well, it's really dealing with three topics that are really hard for this church. You're yeah. talking about prophecy, tongues, and then the silence of a of 50% of our population. Right. Not real popular. <laughs> But if you but if you take the word of God serious, then you've got to wrestle with the idea. Right. And so I get to chapter fourteen of First Corinthians as I'm looking through this idea, and I I read it and I leave with this idea that if Paul is saying this, and I still understand it's a growing church, it's not this we're not in the same time period, but he was writing to them in this idea that this gift is gonna be around. That's how I take it. Mm-hmm. And so now I've got to put it in a context that makes sense for the text and then and then can apply to us today. And where I ended up is, if you look in 1 Corinthians 14, it is all about how does it edify and build up the church. There you go. Right, and so what does what can that gift look like today? Because I think people, we have to acknowledge that the gift, Paul didn't assume the gift was just going to die away. So what does it look like today? And I think you're right. It is, it's somebody that knows the Word of God, has been studying the Word of God, and I'll just get, kind of give an example of something that I might see it happen, right? I Maybe I'm struggling with some kind of an issue, and I'm having a conversation with somebody, and they know the Word of God, and they, and they say, Jared, you know, this is how God like read it in scripture. God works this way. You can look at it right here and he can, he or she can speak that truth about what God gives us in his word, how he speaks and say that this is what you, you know, and you say, Oh man, you're so right. And it, it affects the way that I, Mm -hmm. I am going to, um, take care of whatever the thing is that I was struggling with. You know, they're able to speak into your life in a way that says, the will of God is in the Bible. It's right here. Like, have you thought about doing it this way? Or maybe they've experienced something in their life and they, they, they know <laughs> how to handle it to get the best outcomes in, you know, in, in a Christian way that's following the will of God. I think I'm not articulating it very well, but that's no, kind of... I, I think you are. So one of, one of the definitions of prophet, the, the word used here, prophetes, okay, um, is in Greek writings, a prophet was an interpreter of oracles or other hidden things. What's a pastor called? What a preacher in a pulpit? What is he called to do? Yeah, he's interpreting the word of God. He is expositing the truths of the depths of this oracle book that is sitting in front of you. Yeah, you know, just like Daniel did for the king when he said, "You had a dream, and this is what the dream meant." Just like Joseph did for Pharaoh. Yeah. Right? God instilled in those men at that time period, um, leaning into the to the to the woman thing. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounded a really bad way to say it. So there's Larry's misogynist comment for the day, right? <laughs> Le- leading into to women in in the church. I would argue that one of the stories that I'm having to hold back right now, just because uh, I need to. I would argue that that a conversation that my mamma and I had over the past seventy two hours was a prophetic statement 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. A word that God had for me that he used my mamma to say to me. She wasn't trying to, to step outside of a role. All she is is a prayer warrior, and all she told me was what God laid on her heart. Yes. But it was a prophetic word to my heart. Okay, so listen to how I am saying prophetic. She was interpreting an issue in my life through the lenses of Scripture and helping me see how God was working. There, There's what I was trying to say right there. And so I, I would— I would say that, yes, many pastors and preachers should have a, a prophetic bent because they're, they should be exposing the will of God as they preach through the Scripture. Absolutely. But I still want to differentiate them because I can see— I would want somebody with a prophetic gifting to be in a church business meeting— Mm. Right. And so what, what do I mean by that? Well, they've seen some issue Mm -hmm. 30 times in their lifetime of church membership. Right. Mm -hmm. And they've been studying the word of God for their entire adult life. And they're pretty versed in it. They they're and they pray to God. They're prayer warriors. They're just, their faith is solid and firm and, they have knowledge of the word of God and there's an issue that arises in a church business meeting and they step up and they say, Hey, if we handle it this way, this is what is prone to happen. Mm -hmm. Let's dig into scripture. We need to be praying about this. Here's what the scriptures, how it speaks to this issue. I really think we need to handle it this way and not that way. Mm -hmm. That to me is not everyone has that gift to be able to analyze and see what potentials there are and call it out. But somebody that does, man, the church needs that gift. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's kind of how I see it. Or, or it could be a personal thing, right? Your your mama gives you a word of encouragement that is, you know, it it highlighting the will of God in your life from her knowledge of scripture and from her prayer. I I think those two examples are great ways to see how does prophecy kind of work today. Let's, let's practice good Bible study. Okay. Paul mentions apostles. Where else in scripture can I find apostles? Well, I get all kinds of definitions. I'm told who an apostle is. I am told the qualifications of an apostle. So now, that helps me define, is apostle alive and well today? No, it's not. Right. Because while spiritually I know Jesus Christ, while spiritually I walk with him, I was not one of the original 12 or the addition of either Paul or who was it that they laid straws on? I can't remember. Um, sorry, it doesn't really matter for the, for the moment. It... it it was not, none of us qualify for the, for the full qualification there. Okay. Prophets. What do I know about prophets? Well, I can learn what prophets did. I can learn how prophets worked. Prophets, except maybe for Elijah and Elisha, prophesied for a moment for a specific thing and then that part of their ministry was done Mm -hmm. they were a child of god more than they were a prophet 
God use them. So that means I now can see how a prophetic work in a person's life or someone speaking prophetically into another person's life, they're not going to necessarily know that that's what they're doing. They're just going to say what God's put on their heart. Yes. And therein lies, if you are speaking and you go, oh, this is going to be prophetic. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, right? <laughs> be careful. Okay, now, some evangelists. There are some people who just can't not, <laughs> so I'll give a double negative here, Yeah. share the Word of God. Yep. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of peace. There are people that just absolutely, you know, they open their mouth and the saving grace of Jesus Christ pours out of it. Yes. They have an evangelistic heart. That doesn't mean that a person who is, so how does the Bible describe an evangelist? Okay. Um, we see John the Baptist, you know, he paved the way for his cousin, our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, there are plenty of others. Jonah at some point goes from being a prophet to an evangelist, a reluctant evangelist. Yes. You know, so are there women who have the gospel of peace on their tongue? Absolutely. They may not be up on a platform speaking it in a pastoral way, but they are certainly walking up to another woman or to another person in their life, and they are saying, have you ever met this man, Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Right. That's an evangelistic outpouring. Once again, Listen to what we're saying. We're not defining offices. We're defining actions in a person's life. And there's a difference. And this is where the conversation has to be careful. Are we talking about people who have an ability? Or are we talking about people who we are trying to define through the way we want these terms to be defined? I say evangelist. People hear Billy Graham. People hear Billy yeah. Sunday. People hear, you know... Insert whoever the modern people are, and I would say most of the modern quote-unquote evangelists that are out there today are dangerous. Let me just say that out loud. I, there's, I only see really two offices in this list. Yeah. One of them, none of us are anymore. That's right. Can't be apostles. Right. And the other one is the pastor role because it has been defined in Scripture in an official office type of a way. And right? what office do we know exists that is not mentioned here? Inside the body of Christ, inside the church. Ooh, you're stumping me right now. It's deacon. Oh, yes. The, yeah, the deacon. Yeah. Ooh, I got you good. <gasps> the simple one, man. Going, I got him good. Yeah, so deacon is not mentioned here. All right? So wh what does this mean? Well, we know Paul readily defines what a pastor is and what a deacon is. Paul gives detailed definition into both of those offices. So if he is not giving detailed definition here, if he is specifically talking about using the titles of these areas, then what that's cluing me into is how he's speaking, and also how is he speaking of it? He's speaking about these people who are equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. What is the 
what is the definition, what is the role of a pastor? The role of a pastor is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. The role of the saints is to do the work of the ministry. Yeah, all of these things that are listed here are ways to build up the unity of the body. When you went to the when you went to the Corinthians passage, the first Corinthians passage, you used a specific word. All of that was designed to do what for the body of Christ? Edify. What word is Paul using right here in verse 12? Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yep. The NASB has the building up, but the same idea. Right? It's the same thing. Building up. The mm-hmm. same thing. That's what edification is. And so, which is why it's important, at least in my view when I was reading through it, there's only one of these in the list that is really going outside of the body. Yeah. Right. The evangelist is going outside the body to help build the body and grow the body. Um, and, and that person, like you said, that's a special, the people, the person that just can't not do it. That's yeah. that special gifting. Yes. Right? That's that portion more. Yes. That has been given to them by grace. But if we are unified in body, and we're living the way that he's going to close out chapter four and then really dive into detail in chapter five, mm-hmm. then that that's where a person could have the, the, the argument of um, how effective can our Christian walk be. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, we have these people with special giftings that just can't not go out and share the news. That's right. Um, but that sharing of the news then turns and they see this body of believers living it out and it makes them go, let me check this out. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that even if you don't have that special gifting that you shouldn't be talking to people about it. That's right. right. Because, because faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing, right? So we we're called to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an acknowledgement of you've got to be practicing this stuff. Yes. Or those people with the special gifting, and then in your regular everyday communication, it will be worthless if it's not backed up. Now, why is this part of the conversation so important? This part of the conversation is so important because, um, I'm sorry, Jared just just showed me, probably didn't want to mention this, but we, we realize how long this is going. But you know what? It's our podcast. We love you. Um, the, this part of the conversation is so important because it's foundational to what comes next. We have to be edifying and building, building up the body of Christ. We need to do it properly. We need to do it according to God's prescription. What does that have to do with me? Because I'm not called to be an evangelist or I'm not called mm-hmm. to be a pastor or whatever else, right? You're called to be a child of God. You're called to do the work of the ministry that these pastors are equipping you for. So if, and I think we're all in agreement here, that the the whole thing, the center of all this comes into this. Why, why is the edification here? Why is all of this set up? Till we all come, so the edifying of the body of Christ, 
Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to a measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Paul is going, look, this is to keep you grounded. This is to keep you rooted. This is so that when somebody steps up and is speaking false prophecy, somebody is stepping up and they are preaching wrong doctrine, when somebody steps up and they are teaching a quote-unquote new thing and you are screaming, there is no new thing. There is Jesus Christ and Christ alone and you are wrong. You know it beyond a shadow of a doubt because it is right here in Scripture. That is the everyday work of the church within itself. The pastors equipping us, us walking out and living it out so that we can go, that's wrong or that is right, and here is who Jesus Christ is. Yes, yes. So with that, I think what we're going to skip a few verses and we're going to kind of go to the end of chapter four, but I think it's a, it's a good good fit in, right? Because what you're calling for in the body is people that are just immersing themselves in this leather and paper, mm-hmm. right? It, because then it becomes more than leather and paper. Right. And go back to our very first conversation on Ephesians, and I kept talking about put on your Jesus-tinted glasses. Put yes. on your Jesus-tinted glasses. How do you do that, right? You, you, you just immerse yourself in this, and you just study it and chew on it, right? The cow and cud yes. scenario. And so then what does that look like in your life? And, and before you do it, because I know, I know right where you're heading, just want to remind, I want to I bring these four things, and I'll throw, throw Steve's yeah. name back out again. Steve gave these to me, so this is all Steve's stuff. When we are living in and amongst ourselves as believers, how we conduct ourselves, how we edify, how we build up, we start with the apology, mm. we ask for forgiveness, we stop right there, and then we go through a process of working through restoration, and then, then we have relationship renewal. Yeah. With that in mind, with everything we've just talked about in mind, go where you're going. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather must labor performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who is in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, but whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has also forgiven you. So you 
You Touchdown. Put, exactly. <laughs> you put on Jesus-tinted glasses. Mm-hmm. You're studying the Word of God. You're living in it. You're being a better prayer person than I am, right? You do these things. You practice them. You chew on it. You practice some more. You mess it up. You chew on it. The tint on your Jesus glasses gets a little bit better. And the part of the outpouring of that is the new self has more of the tenderhearted, forgiving side than it does the bitterness and malice side, right? Part of that is an outpouring of having the right glasses on. Mm -hmm. But part of putting the right glasses on is actively every day saying, I'm burying the bitterness and malice. That's right. And you have to, you have got to actively bury it. Right. There's only one baptism and there, and, and, and you don't have to. And then if you're, you're a believer, you don't have to keep getting baptized, right? You don't have Correct. to, you don't have to keep getting baptized in that outward show way to the church. But man, I've been convicted that when I wake up in the morning, I need to go through that same routine mm-hmm. spiritually. Thank you, Jared. Yep. You've, you tend to be spiteful. You tend to be uh, distrusting of those around you. You tend, whatever the issue is, bury it. Bury it with him in his likeness. Raise yourself up and walk in newness of life and keep trucking. That's right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So here would be my exhortation. My exhortation would be continue to read with us the book of Ephesians daily if you can, weekly if you can get through it in that time period. It's short. You can do it. My mom says not 15 minutes, but I would disagree. I think you can do it in 15 minutes. Um, And then add to it this. This week I challenge all of you to take verses 30, 31, and 32 and chew it drain everything out of it, memorize it, live in it, and wrestle with how do I grieve the Holy Spirit? How do I rid bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking? How, how do I get rid of it? How do I be tenderhearted, forgiving, and living out Christ to the world around me and to my family? chew on that live in that soak in that we hope one of these days on our podcast to bring uh steve on um there's a lot to talk about with him so maybe we might get many many multiple episodes with him i don't know uh we have the idea of some guests that we'd like to bring on Uh, another steve steve noble who's right down in raleigh Uh, maybe a political talk with him Mm -hmm. he's a civics guy there are other people that, that we're looking at hopefully one of these days as we grow this thing to bring on and talk about these things. Um, but, you know, right now you're stuck with me and Jared, and, uh, and we hope to swing back around and do some of these things. So we want to remind you, um, the sharpening podcast.com. Uh, uh, is that at, right? At, at gmail.com. That's our email, yeah. yeah. We don't have a website up yet, but no. one of these days, maybe we will. We maybe will. that'll be the address. Who knows? We've got our Instagram. Got our Instagram, got our Facebook. Yep. And I just started, I, I put it on. Uh, um, our Instagram page. I need to get you our, our login for it. We're, we're trying out threads. Okay. Which is the new, like Instagram's version of Twitter. Okay. It's the new, the new thing. So, so, so you have that. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try to do like 
daily stuff on threads because it's more like Twitter. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking like I'm going to be posting verses that we've been talking through like every day, you know, and that's conversational. So like the people that if you have threads, I don't personally, but if you have it, you can get on there and kind of you can do like the retweet thing and like right. have the conversation going. So I'm hoping to maybe generate some talking out of that. That'd be great. We want to also mention to you characterhealth.com and yeah. Stephen, Dr. Steven, Megan Scheibner. And, uh, and encourage you to, to go take a look at, at what they have to offer, and maybe they might have something there that would help you. We want to encourage you in that. Yep. Pastor, if you're listening, you are loved, and God has an amazing plan for you, and He is working in your life. And if nobody in your church is telling you this, you are loved, you are appreciated, and you are doing a hard work, and stay the course. Please, right. Pastor, stay the course. That's right. Well, that's our time today. That's it. We love you guys. I'm going to close this in prayer. Let's do it. Father, just thank you for this morning and this conversation and this, this passage out of Ephesians that you've put on Paul's heart to write to us. It's so good to just be able to chew on it and talk about it with friends and, and learn and grow. Today, as we go through our day, Father, I just pray that you help Larry and I and then anybody that's listening to rid ourselves of bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and to be more tender-hearted and forgiving and to love one another and to talk about your son with those around us. Lord, just give us a heart for the evangelism today as we go through our day. We love you and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.